My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Helen Hudson and Sarah Faulkner with supplemental audio from Herman Bell. The Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar is a unique political collaboration that has been going on for at least a decade and a half. The project began in part because of a quirk of geography. A number of the major prisons in New York State happened to be significantly closer to Montreal than they are to New York City. This made it practical years ago for a handful of radical folks in Montreal who were engaged in activism and organizing on a range of issues to develop relationships of support and solidarity with a number of the long-term political prisoners being held in those prisons. At a certain point, one of these prisoners former member of the Black Panther Party Herman Bell, suggested that a way for all of them, both those in prison and those on the outside, to collaborate on a shared political project would be to produce a calendar. Everyone else thought this was a great idea, and Certain Days was born. On one level, the calendar is a conventional wall calendar, the sort of object you can use to keep track of your dentist appointment and that parent-teacher interview you have next week. Yet along with allowing you to track the days, each month also incorporates a full-color image above and a short article before or after. Many of these images and articles are produced by current or former political prisoners, and all of them are connected in one way or another to important social justice issues. The images and articles reflect the theme of that year's calendar, which in 2017 is Sustaining Movements. As well, along with the sort of marking of public holidays and the like that you would find in most calendars, this one also notes many little-known but important dates from histories of struggle for justice and liberation. In addition to being a calendar, therefore, it is a visually striking and densely informative publication that works to raise awareness about a range of social justice issues, certainly including but going far beyond issues of political prisoners and prisoner justice. And the sale of it works in a number of different ways as a fundraiser for groups engaged on the ground in activism and organizing of various sorts. Hudson and Faulkner are two of the members of the Calendar Collective on the outside, and the members who are currently in prison include Herman Bell, David Gilbert, and Robert Seth Hayes. Hudson and Faulkner talk with me about political prisoners and prisoner justice issues, about the nuts and bolts of making the calendar each year, and about all of the great stuff that can be found in the 2017 edition of the Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar. Also included in the episode is a short clip from a recording of Herman Bell speaking in October 2016 to mark the occasion of the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Black Panther Party. I spoke with Hudson and Faulkner by Skype from Montreal and Hamilton, respectively. My name is Helen Hudson. I've been involved with a certain day's calendar on and off since its inception. Just to situate myself a little bit more, I'm a queer black woman living in Montreal. When I first came to Montreal, I was already politically conscious, involved in social justice movement. But it's really some of the other founders of the calendar who introduced me first to political prisoners and to prisoner justice as an issue. 
And going down that path eventually led to my involvement in certain days. I'm Sarah Falconer. I'm based in Hamilton now, but for many years I lived in Montreal. Soon after I moved there, I got involved in helping with distro for the calendar just because I thought it was such a great project. And I was really starting to become interested in supporting political prisoners and seeing how important it was in the overall work that I was doing. And so from there, uh, eventually moved to join the collective and have stayed involved even after leaving. The Certain Days calendar, its full title is the Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar. It is a calendar in the literal sense. You hang it on your wall. It uh, has the days of the month. You can use it to remember when your dentist appointment is. But on a political level, it's a collaboration between three political prisoners held in New York State, Herman Bell, David Gilbert, and Robert Seth Hayes, and activists, organizers on the outside of prison. Right now, those organizers are in Montreal, in Hamilton, Ontario, and in New York City. Each month, there's a piece of artwork and there's an accompanying article that appears on a different page before and after the month pages. And they always revolve around a social justice theme of some kind, sometimes directly related to political prisoners or prisoner justice, sometimes not. And those articles and artwork are produced by prisoners and non-prisoners for the 2017 calendar, the calendar that's on sale now, as it were. That theme is sustaining movements. One of the things I discovered coming into this work, political prisoners and prisoner justice as an issue, is the prison really touches everything, like any social justice issue that you can think of. In some instances, it's more direct than others. Like if we look, for example, at colonialism or issues of racism, we see a huge disproportion of prisoners being people of color and being indigenous. Those dynamics play out slightly different on either sides of the Canadian-U.S. border in terms of statistics. But what's clear is that prison is a way to keep people down in terms of the dynamics of white supremacy and colonialism on Turtle Island. Where it's maybe less direct, something that I've had many discussions with other fellow feminists about is the relationship between sexism and prison. We see on both sides of the border a rise of the number of women behind bars. But there's some sort of red herring debates that come up in terms of, say, violence against women, the notion that we need stronger laws to protect women from violence, longer jail sentences, that sort of thing. But if we look more closely, we see that in reality, those arguments are not borne out. The people that end up in prison are oftentimes the person being abused. The police is called and it's the woman who's being abused who ends up behind bars. Even when that's not the case, prison as an answer to social problems like violence against women again and again just proves itself to be a complete non-starter. And so, you know, we can just keep going down the line. Prisons are terrible for the environment. Prisons are a tool of war. If we had 10 hours for this interview, I could go on at great, great length. But I found once I started to look at my social justice organizing, and I've sort of jumped around a bit in terms of my organizing, in terms of which issues I focused on, the prison really, really does touch everything in a very concrete way. But more than that, prison gives us a very, very powerful analytical lens to look at how the institutionalization of human beings is at the core of injustice. I think, too, it really asks you to look at what kind of society we want to build together. You can't be a prison abolitionist 
and think about society functioning the way that it is now, a lot of people will say, well, if you abolish prisons, you know, this, this and this will be the problem that comes out of it. But that's because you're thinking of keeping things exactly the way that they are now. And so it really is a great framework for thinking about what kind of a, a society might have a different vision of justice, a different vision of supporting people in need and a, a different vision for how we work together as an entire society. And I just find that really exciting and really powerful that trying to envision a way outside of this prison system is trying to envision an entirely better society in so many ways. So in the context of, say, the name of the calendar, what exactly do you mean by the term political prisoners? That is actually a bit of a complex question insofar as there's a couple of different definitions that people have taken on tactically. And when we think of a political prisoner in a day-to-day conversation, one thinks of somebody who's been imprisoned for their political actions or beliefs. We think of maybe the Amnesty International definition of a prisoner of conscience, somebody that's been imprisoned simply for what they think or believe. Out of the upsurge of organizing that happened on Turtle Island with Canadian and U.S. contexts, particularly the U.S. context in the 1960s and 70s, we saw the rise of people from organizations such as the Black Panther Party, the American Indian Movement, the Weather Underground, and so on, facing lengthy, lengthy prison sentences. As Sarah mentioned, many of those people are still incarcerated today for their political actions. But not all those people would meet that first definition that I mentioned of being prisoners of conscience. I mean, some of them definitely broke laws, but we would argue and they would argue broke unjust laws, broke laws that necessarily had to be broken. Others were completely framed. Government actions such as COINTELPRO, the counterintelligence program of the FBI, actively set to set up and frame large numbers of those organizers. But here I'm still talking within the narrow definition of somebody who's imprisoned for political action. But within prison abolition and prisoner justice circles, the argument is often made that that definition is not broad enough because at the same time as that happened, there's also been mass incarceration, just a huge mushrooming of the prison industry, again, particularly in the U.S., but to some extent in Canada as well. So where you now face people who are becoming politically conscious for the first time in prison after they've already gone to prison for what many call a social crime, like a crime that had no immediate politically conscious element to it. We certainly work with a lot of people who have become politically conscious while they are in prison. Those people face many of the same repressions within prison as those who went to prison for political acts. We definitely feel that all prison is political. So when we talk about political prisoners, we talk about people who are in prison for a politically conscious act or whose continued repression or continued stay in prison is because of their political organizing on the inside. My feeling is that these definitions don't have to be mutually exclusive. There can sometimes be a bit of tension in our already fairly small circles between how you define these things and how you decide where you're going to focus your energies. And I feel like it's important to acknowledge the people that have intentionally sacrificed their freedom to further our movements, at the same time understanding that, as Helen said, all imprisonment is political, that this is all part of something that we're struggling against, and that those voices of all different types of prisoners are incredibly valuable to those of us on the outside as well. And that's something we've really tried to do with the calendar, is include that range of voices, include all sorts of different artwork and writings from prisoners via 
plethora of definitions. In the spirit of Faulkner's words about listening to and learning from political prisoners themselves, we're going to switch gears a little bit and listen to a short excerpt from a statement recorded by Herman Bell in October of 2016 and posted by a website called the Freedom Archives. Bell was a member of the Black Panther Party and is a member of the Certain Days Calendar Collective, and he's been a political prisoner for 43 years. The statement was recorded to mark the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Panthers, and in this excerpt from it, he talks a bit more about some of the things that Hudson was just mentioning, in terms of the repressive state response to black and other freedom struggles in the 1960s and 1970s that led to the arrest of many of the current long-term political prisoners on this continent, as well as in terms of the beginning of mass incarceration in that era. The urgency of now prompted black youth to be far more militant and politically assertive in the 60s and 70s. They created the Black Panther Party. They occupied racially segregated spaces and fearlessly faced arrests, billy clubs, and fire hoses. They raised a window through which the world could see U.S. democracy in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Watts, and the like. And during these assertive times, Black culture blossomed. That black is beautiful resonated. The wig, the processed hair was out, and the fro was in. Black pride flowed across the land and nourished the spirit. Black culture, black skin, black music, black dance resonated throughout America. They called it black power, signified by a clenched fist in the air as a salute to black liberation, colors, red, black, and green. The black fight for social justice and community control clashed with the white power structure. Some blacks argued that the black community constituted a colony within an imperialist nation, a perspective that likened the black struggle against oppression to a shared global struggle and resistance to that oppression. The government's resistance to blacks' fair and honest demands that it eliminate poverty, reform prisons, provide decent housing, jobs, schools, health care, and cease unrestrained police violence, radicalized black youth. A stick instead of a carrot was the response. Reduce social service spending, more police, more prisons, longer sentences, life without parole. Crack cocaine suddenly appeared. Unemployment, grinding poverty, lack of opportunity paved the way for its use and fell within devastating effect that will take generations to recover from. The local and national media fanned the flames of this undeclared war on black people, agitating for crime control, trumpeting crime in the streets, war on drugs, and thus legitimating the stick that law enforcement and politicians viciously wielded. The party's political program, on the other hand, sought to educate, protect, and provide leadership in the black community. Its self-help initiatives have begun to show great promise. Its newspaper, The Black Panther, showed skill, efficiency, and professionalism, and featured cogent analysis of local, national, and global events. It enjoyed wide circulation and appeared on time despite the all-out effort to silence this indispensable, critical black voice. The white power structure felt threatened by this political program. By all this black energy, this growing black confidence and self-reliance, perhaps its own self-identity can only be realized through 
suppressing and dominating others, especially people of color. So accordingly, FBI and local police launched armed assaults on party branches across the country. Political warfare disguised as law enforcement. The press both supported these targeted actions and disposed public opinion to regard those targeted black people in particular as criminals, drug sellers, and violent. Thus then and now, to be black in America is to exist with the presumption of guilt. The corporate media's malicious mischaracterization of black Americans inspired conclusions that whatever happens to them is because they bring it on themselves. Centuries of sustained U.S. racial oppression and inequality that still exist today explains the Trayvon Martins, Oscar Grant, Michael Brown, and is why Black Lives Matter. In defending the black community, Black Panthers stepped into the breach and have grievously suffered or been killed since that critical time during the late 60s and early 70s. Scores of us were captured and we remain in prison today, despite having served long sentences and being parole eligible the state refused to release us. That was Herman Bell. Turning back now to the interview with Faulkner and Hudson, I asked them to talk about how the Certain Days Calendar Project originally got started. It was the idea of one of the prisoners who still works on it today. There's three political prisoners that are involved on an ongoing basis as editors, Herman Bell, David Gilbert, and Robert Seth Hayes. Herman Bell, former member of the Black Panther Party, he, like the other two, was already in relationship with a number of organizers in Montreal and was very much a mentor in our work. When we would go and visit him, we would discuss the organizing we were doing on a street level in Montreal, what was going well, what wasn't, what inspired us. And he was very much a part of our organizing in that way. But we didn't have a shared project. We didn't have something that we were actually all doing together. So Herman had the idea of producing a calendar that could be that shared project. And it's really on several levels quite a brilliant idea, I think, because it's a practical thing. Like it's something that you physically produce every year. It at the same time is a site of political discussion. Anytime you put together a publication or any form of media, you have to talk about the content and the discussions that go into that are very enriching for those involved. And then at the same time, the other great thing about the calendar is that it's a fundraiser. Every year we give away money to usually three, occasionally two groups that are involved in work that we support. And we also make the calendar available at a bulk rate for groups that want to use it to fundraise for their own political work. What's the production process like for the calendar? It's a really ongoing sort of production cycle, one that we try and improve on and change a little bit every year particularly as our collective is quite small and spread out through not just different cities, but different countries. We start ideally with the discussion both amongst ourselves on the outside and then with our prison editors on how the previous year looked, what we liked about it, things we would change about it, and sort of a broad discussion on themes. Any ideas that have really percolated for one of us the suggestions for themes have often come from David and from Herman in discussions there, or sometimes we'll pitch a theme that we think is exciting. And so then we all, after the visits, go back home, 
communicate to each other about what we discussed and think about it a little more and from there develop the theme and start thinking about what kinds of contributors would be a good fit for that particular thing. We all come from different generations and different movements. We will bring different ideas to the table on that. And we also try and have a lot of representation from across the movement. We basically have to keep the lines of communication open in an ongoing way, either by mail, through phone calls with friends and family of the prisoners that we work with, just to let them know where we're at and what kinds of decisions we're making. We've worked together for many years now, and so we have a high level of trust about making decisions. Obviously, with the communication delays between us and a production schedule to get something out on deadline, we don't have the luxury to be able to communicate on every single point, but we have a really good sense as a group of what things we need to discuss together, and we prioritize doing that. And what are some of the highlights in the 2017 edition of the calendar? The theme is really interesting and exciting to me. As somebody who's been an activist since my teens and into now almost my 40s, I've only been at it really for a very small amount of time compared to what some of our other comrades have been doing over the years. And so the idea that you can sustain the work that we're doing, that you can continue to build it, that you can keep this social justice organizing that we're doing growing despite all the challenges that you have over a lifetime is really interesting to me. In a calendar, you only have a small amount of space for these articles. So we're talking about some pretty big ideas but at the same time have only about 500 words per article times 12 articles to have these perspectives laid out. So it's a start of a conversation. And I hope that it will inspire people to think about how they can sustain the work that they're doing for social justice everywhere. One of the things that I found interesting when we started to get submissions to this theme is the sub-themes, as it were, that came out. We have some articles by groups that have collectively reflected on their own organizing and what it means to be sustainable. Another striking thing for me was the number of tributes we got to inspirational figures, both living and dead, from movement history. There's several instances where people have seen this theme of sustaining movements and thought, well, this is the person that helps me sustain my organizing. This is the figure that I look to for inspiration. And so we have several submissions that are on that level. Then beyond that, we have submissions, both written and artistic, that are more on a conceptual level, speaking to one thread in the tapestry of what makes a movement sustainable, be it self-care, be it imagination, be it history. So these are 24 answers, 12 in visual form and 12 in written form to the question, what makes a movement sustainable? What can keep us going on the way to the world we want to see? One of the things we really try to do with the calendar, knowing that it's a limited amount of space, is provide a lot of resources for people to check out new websites, books they might not have come across before, groups they might not have heard of, so that they can continue the, these connections. The idea is to have this calendar on your wall every day, hopefully inspiring you, hopefully reminding you to make these connections. What groups do you raise money for with the calendar sales? There's two groups that we donate to on an ongoing basis, like every year, and then we always try and add a third one. Release Aging People from Prison, known by its acronym RAP, is a group based in New York State that works to get elderly people out of prison. 
that's one of the groups we're giving to on an ongoing basis because our prison members are in New York State, where RAP is located, and because of its work directly advocating to release people from prison. The other group we give to on an ongoing basis is a group called Adamir. Adamir is the Arabic word for conscience. That is a Palestinian prisoner support and human rights group. They work in Palestine directly with people in prison in Palestine. And a lot of the political prisoners in North America, Palestine is very important to them as a struggle and Palestinian liberation being in solidarity with that struggle. And then the third group that we're giving to this year is the Unistoten camp which is a camp on Indigenous land that seeks to oppose a pipeline running through the land. But like many land reclamations, has become more than that. Like it's direct opposition, but it's also a place of healing, a place of coming together, a place of solidarity between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. If you're a group and you order 10 or more copies from us, you get to keep a section of that proceeds to further your own work. So it's a fundraiser for these groups that we've selected, but it's also a fundraiser for many, many more groups that use the calendar as their own fundraising and in their own discussions in their communities. How can people find out how to get a copy of the 2017 Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar? The best way to find us is certaindays.org. You'll find a list there of places in your community that are distributing the calendar. You can order it online. You can communicate with us and ask us questions. If anybody is listening and doesn't have access to the Internet either because they're incarcerated or for other reasons, I should mention there is a prisoner price of $5 as opposed to $12 for those on the outside. And you can also reach us at a regular mailing address. You don't need to have Internet access. You can certainly mail us a check and we can send you a calendar. We're certain days. Care of Cooperg Concordia, that's Q-P-I-R-G, Concordia, C-O-N-C-O-R-D-I-A. The address is 1455 de Maisonneuve Boulevard West, so 1455. De Maisonneuve is D-E-M-A-I-S-O-N-N-E-U-V-E Boulevard West, Montreal, Quebec. Postal code H3G as in go. 1M as in move 8, Canada. If there's a place to put this in, I wanted to mention that one of our editors, Robert Seth Hayes, has an ongoing situation with his health. And we are part of a campaign against medical neglect to help him and others. You can find more information and the latest updates on our site and on our Facebook page. You have been listening to my interview with Sarah Faulkner and Helen Hudson. They're members of the collective that produced the Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar. You also heard a short clip of Herman Bell, a former member of the Black Panther Party and one of the currently incarcerated political prisoners who is also part of the calendar collective. To learn more about the Certain Days calendar or to find out how to get a copy of the 2017 edition, go to certaindays.org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.